Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. We're going to learn about the law. We're going to learn about how we get life. We're going to learn about the payment for sin. And we're going to start in Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians chapter number 3. And we're going to find out what would have happened if the law could have given life. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 21. Look what the Bible says. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. All of God's laws are right. All of His promises He keeps. There's nothing wrong with His law. There's nothing wrong with His promises. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Now, you and I both know we don't get righteousness by law keeping. But God shows us in Galatians chapter 3, if you could have gotten life by keeping the law, then you would not have needed the imputed righteousness of Christ Jesus. You could have gotten that righteousness through law keeping. But you and I both know that isn't the case. And God lays it out very plainly that if the law could have given life, then guess where we could have gotten righteousness? From keeping laws. But we don't get it from keeping laws. Why? Let's find the weakness. Go to Romans chapter number 8. Well, let's find the weakness on why the law was so weak. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 3. The Bible says, For what the law could not do, check it out, in that it was weak through the flesh. You just try to keep laws. We make rules and we make up our own laws and we can't even keep them let alone all of the laws and all of the commandments that God has given if you're a parent or grandparent you know you give your kids rules to keep and you see it play out every day they can't keep all of the rules or laws and they won't ever be able to God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Why was the law weak? Because of the flesh. It was weak through the flesh. Our flesh, well, it's no good thing. We can't keep the law as much as we try. We're weak through the flesh. Acts chapter 15. Let's see what was going on here in the early church. Acts 15. Let's start reading at verse number 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised, 
After the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem, one of the apostles and elders, about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenix and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. There rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. They taught, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Then it wraps up in verse 5. Command them to keep the law of Moses. You know what they taught? You can't be circumcised. If you're not circumcised and you don't follow after the law of Moses, you just can't be saved. And you know what some groups teach today? Well, Baptism is the new circumcision since we're in the New Testament. So if you're not baptized, you can't be saved. Which I always found that to be a strange doctrine because I guess apparently only men can be saved in the New Testament. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't work. But what is that? That's Acts 15, the early church, and nothing has changed. It's just a house painted with different colors. It's the same thing. Putting people under the yoke of the law and under the bondage of the law doesn't change. You see this in some in, in some Mennonite churches. Not all of them, but some of them. Ooh, you, did you see? She's not wearing the covering. What are, you, what are you talking about? She doesn't have her head covering. She must not be saved. Huh? What are you talking about? You can't put anything on to get saved. You can't cut any flesh off to be saved. You can't get into a body of water or do anything physical to be saved. This is all Acts 15, early church, same thing, painted a different color. Can't happen. Can't happen. Just, it's not Christianity. Now look at Acts chapter 15 and we'll go down to verse number 9. Well, let's read at verse 6. We'll just keep going and we'll stop at verse 9. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts. He's the only one that knows the hearts, by the way. Bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as He did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. No difference. How, how are people's hearts purified? By circumcision? No. By getting into a body of water? No. By putting a covering over their head because apparently now women's hair is not enough of a covering? No, none of that equals salvation. There's no difference. Your heart is purified the same way my heart is. The lost person out there, 
that's homeless and doesn't have any, just has raggedy clothes. His heart is purified the same way the lost person down at the bank is who has a big house and the most expensive clothes. There's no difference. Our hearts are purified the same way. People like to make a difference. They like to find things to differ on. And we get way, way, way off track. Way off track. Are there differences? There are. But when it comes to salvation, there is no difference. Talking to a, a, a pastor just last week. Problems arise in all ministries of all stripes. But he had a guy that came in and he's got to find a difference. And he's got to call out a lady that has no sleeves on her dress. <laughs> because apparently, worshiping God, singing praise to God, learning the Bible, and fellowshipping with other Christians isn't enough of a blessing for people. They have to point out all of this stuff because they got to find a difference. Because they just have to present them and their family as the spiritual ones of the church. Well, you prove that you're not spiritual by doing that type of tomfoolery. Not to mention the fact that a gentleman does it, and a gentleman does it publicly to someone else's wife, is ignorant at the very least. At the very worst, well, do you see how people like to create differences? Really? You drove all the way this way, brushed your teeth, got showered, got in the car, drove your family over, and that is what you notice? This is people. This is professing Christians. Now, I'm not a, just a God is love and we're all going to hold hands and sing kumbaya and dance around the little fire pit and throw a little fire stick in there and rededicate our lives to God type of guy. All right? Now, there's a time and a place for that. And praise God, a lot of... Folks do rededicate their life after they throw a stick in the fire. Praise the Lord. But, but I just say that to say, we do need to love people. <laughs> we do need to love people. And we, just, we need to start finding out, or we need to start appreciating the effort that they did make. You know what? Thanks for coming to church. Instead of trying to find a difference to make them feel like they just really don't measure up. And then next week, hey, thanks for coming to church and brushing your teeth. <laughs> and I'm kidding, but you see, look, you want to give them some credit. Don't point out to him, why didn't you brush your teeth this morning? Instead say, hey, thanks for coming to church. Don't greet him at the door. Do you have a baptismal certificate? No, hey, thanks for coming. Glad, glad, to, glad to have you here. There is no difference in salvation. Our hearts are all purified the same way. So now we're going to start reading uh, verse number 9 and 10. Um, and put no difference between us and them purifying our hearts by faith. Verse 10, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we 
were able to bear. What was the yoke? Law keeping. No Old Testament person was ever saved by the law. God has always saved by His grace, by faith in what was revealed to that person. What did the nation of Israel get when they obeyed God's law? Physical blessings. Jews, Israel, Hebrews, fleshy people, earthly people, God's chosen people. Everything they got, the promises of God were from, from keeping the law and obeying God's commands and God's statutes were physical in nature. Their land was blessed. Their family was blessed. Their health was blessed. And God's got a physical piece of land that's granted to them and they're going to get that land grant. Everything was physical. You know what Christians get now? No matter how much you pray the prayer of Jabez, you're not going to get gold coming down and off of trees. God offers us all spiritual blessings. Spiritual. We're not guaranteed any health, wealth, and prosperity. So you can't put this yoke of bondage of people having to keep all of these laws. It's not going to work. You're going to wear them out. You're going to bog them down. Now, Romans chapter 7. Let's go over to Romans. Should we still use the law? Romans chapter 7 gives us the answer. Let's just read the Bible and try to just obey what it says in its context, obviously. Should we still use the law? Okay, verse 7 of Romans 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. Now, a couple of things on this. Number one, covetous, uh, lust isn't just uh some half-naked lady on a billboard trying to sell cigarettes or beer or, or dance halls or whatever it is. <laughs> Lust is coveting. <laughs> you look at something, you don't have it, you desire it, God says, that's lust. That's lust. We have all types of lust issues because people see things and they got to have it. But look at else we see. Is the law sin? God forbid. Of course it's not. I had not known sin, but by the law. We need to use the law. But we can't use the law to put people under more bondage and in more of a yoke. If they don't know Christ as their Savior, they're condemned already. They're already under the bondage of sin. They're already yoked with sin. So if we tell them that they need to keep laws now to be saved, we just tightened the bonds. We just made the yoke heavier. Because they're going to find out soon enough that they can't keep the law. 
And they're going to find out all of these tricky ways to try to convince people that they actually are good at law keeping. So what do we do with the law? We use it as a mirror so that they can see themselves for who they are. A sinner before a holy God. An unrighteous man or woman before a righteous God. And they should feel the weight of that. And then you show them what God did. He bore your sin on the cross. And in the flesh, he was the only one that was able to keep it for you and I. Use the law so that they can see their need for a Savior. But don't don't use the law to tell them they have to keep the law to be saved. Use the law to show them that they need a Savior and cannot keep it. Galatians, let's go back there. Chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Verse number 11. We'll start reading there. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with them, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Now watch verse 14. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel... I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Man, you're you're a Jew living as do the Gentiles, and you're trying to get the Gentiles and convince them they should be living under the law. It just doesn't work. It It doesn't mend itself together. And then he goes on to say, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, and this is a key verse 16, if a church doesn't teach verse 16, it's not a New Testament church. You can disagree on end times. People do. You can disagree on Music, people do. You can disagree on conservative dress, modest dress, people do. You can disagree on a lot of things, but you can't be a New Testament church and disagree with this verse right here because you would not be a New Testament Christian church knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law But by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. That is a key, key doctrinal verse that there must be agreement on for someone to be saved. You cannot be saved by the law. You cannot be saved by law keeping. You're only justified. 
by faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. They have to know this and they have to teach this. Galatians 3. We're going to find that the same problem in Galatia is the same problem that we have today. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 1 will start off, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This, only what I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Foolish stuff. You mean to tell me that God saved you by His grace? You put your full faith and trust in what He did for you? And now in the flesh, you're going to somehow make yourself right? Not going to happen. You're not made perfect in the flesh. Your flesh, by keeping laws, cannot make you perfect. Never has, never will, prior to salvation, after salvation. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? No, you're not. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8. We'll find out what makes you free and what makes me free. Romans 8. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. That's a powerful verse. I got saved 19 years ago. I trusted Christ and His merit, not on any of the merits of penance or sacrificial works that I have done. And I trust Christ as my Savior. And I got saved. I got born again. But you know what I continue to do? There were times when I went out publicly and had some matches where I had my shirt off. And I'm not proud of that, but I had a public display of nakedness. Now, I didn't know what the Bible said about that stuff. But some years later, I got convicted about what the Bible said about modesty and how the Bible defines nakedness. And I started wearing my clothes when I went out in public all the time. That means if I went down to the, to the, to the ocean or to the lake, I had a shirt on. If I was going to go out and do a match, I had a shirt on. I put my clothes on. Now, let me ask you a question. 19 years ago when I got saved, I didn't know any of that, that stuff. But if another Christian came up to me that had it all figured out and he knew what I was doing and he said, well, you're, you're not wearing your shirt out in public? Well, you, you, you're not saved. You're not a Christian. You know what I should read him? Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation 
to them which are in Christ Jesus. What are you going to say to a man that's drunk? He's a drunkard his whole life. He gets saved. He gets born again. But next Friday night rolls around and you know what? He opens up the refrigerator and he realizes behind the gallon of milk there's a bottle of Budweiser. And he drinks that Budweiser. And one of his Christian friends comes over the next morning to visit with him. And he sees that empty bottle of beer in the trash can. What's he going to say? You can't be saved. You just drank a bottle of beer. You know what he should read him? Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I am not advocating public nakedness. I am not advocating somebody drink liquor. But I am advocating that if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation in you at all. So when, when did I get saved? Not 19 years ago when I put my shirt on? <laughs> Come on, it's ridiculous. You will never keep up with all of the commandments that you got wrong to try to get them right, let alone the commandments that God asks you to do that you're not doing because you don't even know yet. <laughs> I mean, if you're like me, you get in the Bible, you read it and you're like, oh, wow, that's convicting. <laughs> you're learning and growing all the time. You don't all of a sudden get resaved because you figured some stuff out. Salvation is by grace, God's grace through faith in what he did. For the law of the spirit, verse two, of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. What makes you free from the law of sin and death? The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It has made you free. The law of the Spirit of life. Praise the Lord. No condemnation in God's people. Last verse in Romans 8. Look at verse number 9. For ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You don't have the Spirit of Christ? Then you're not saved. <laughs> Let's go back to Levi Tuckus. That would be Leviticus, chapter number 5. You didn't know that Levi wrote a book of the Bible, did you? His last name was Tuckus. Leviticus chapter 5, let's see. Verse number 5, and it shall be, Leviticus 5.5. 5. When he shall be guilty in one of these things, that he shall confess that he hath sinned in that thing. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord for his sin, which he hath sinned. A female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats, for a sin offering. 
and the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his sin. You sin, you're going to bring something. That something is going to be offered by a priest for your sin. Now go over to Hebrews chapter 7. And we're going to close. Hebrews chapter number 7, verse number 22. We'll start reading. Watch how Jesus fulfills all the offerings. Every single Old Testament offering is fulfilled by Christ Jesus the Lord. By so much, verse number 22 of chapter 7, was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Eternal security, right chalk in the middle of that verse. He is able to save to the uttermost, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and hath made higher than the heavens. Oh, this is great. Who needeth not daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Christ Jesus. No longer do you have to come before God and bring us, come before the priest and bring an offering for him to make for your sin. Because he paid it all. Go ahead. Try to get circumcised and keep Moses' law. <laughs> Try to cut something off. Go ahead. Go ahead. Try to put something on to make yourself right before God. Try to wear the right clothes. Try to cover your head. You can't make yourself right by any type of law keeping. But there was someone who did make it all right. And he paid it all. He did it once. It was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices for sin. And it was the Savior of the world. Christ Jesus, the Lord. Let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the one-time sacrifice you made. Make intercession for us. We thank you, Lord, for your unchangeable priesthood. We thank you. We're not under the bondage of law-keeping. We're not under the bondage of, under the yoke of Moses' law. Thank You for keeping the law for us. Help us to use the law lawfully to show others their need for a Savior so they can be free from the bondage of sin. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.